Welcome to the Weekly Words of Worship podcast. My name is Daniel Innocent. I'm a youth pastor with the Ontario Seventh-day Adventist Conference. And currently, I'm enrolled in Andrews University where I'm getting my master's degree in divinity. I invite you to join me in reading, studying, and meditating on God's word. This study is not prepared beforehand, which allows you to be a participant in the studying process. This will teach you how to study the Bible for yourself, which is the greatest gift that I can give you. Once we begin a book, we read it to the very end. No skipping verses, no reading out of context. Now, sit back in a prayerful state and let's enjoy the day's reading together. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you so much, Lord, for another day and for bringing us here to the study of your word once again. Lord, as we read it, we ask that you would make it clear to us, that you would help us to um, better understand the things that you have to teach us, and that whatever we learn, Lord, we would walk in it. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Welcome back, friends and family. Without further ado, let's get back into the word and open and continue our reading in the book of John. So um, the last time we were together, we read verse seven, do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. Right now we're in uh, John chapter three and we're about to start verse eight. But being that a weekend has passed, um, I think it would be beneficial to start back at verse 1. And then that way, by the time we read verse 8, it will make everything make sense together. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God. For no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered and said to him, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he's old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. Verse 8. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it, but cannot tell where it comes from and where it goes. So is everyone who is born of the spirit. Let me read that part again. The wind blows where it wishes and you hear the sound of it but cannot tell where it comes from and where it goes so is everyone who is born of the spirit this is a very interesting um, way that jesus has chosen to describe the spirit and when you think about it, if you really sit down and think about it, it makes sense. It makes a lot of sense. Wind is invisible, right? 
We don't see it. If you're sitting in your house and you look outside, you can't see wind. But if you walk outside, you can feel the wind. However, some of you are going to disagree when I say that you can't see wind because you can see the trees move. You can see the flag move. Right? You can see when you're looking outside, if it's raining, you can see by the way that the that the rain is falling, which direction the wind is blowing in. Right. And the interesting thing is that when the Bible says the wind blows where it wishes, remember that although the wind is invisible, its force is visible. Its power is visible. Its effect is visible. And the Bible is saying that the Holy Spirit is the same way. Although you might not see, you might not physically be able to see the Holy Spirit. And you do not see physically the Holy Spirit. But you feel the effects of the Spirit. And I love this. It says... You hear the sound of it. You know, when there's strong wind, even when you're inside, it's, it's incredible that this invisible thing, that you can hear it rushing. Right? We all know what that sounds like. That was actually a really good sound effect. And I just did that with my own mouth. So... I think a round of applause is in order. <laughs> right? But it says that you hear the sound of it. And hearing is hearing is very important because hearing often has a connotation to God's word. Remember that Jesus is the word of God. Right? Jesus is the word. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, as we read in John chapter 1. But your ability to hear the wind is also associated to the Holy Spirit. You see, we oftentimes, as people, if we don't, if we're not able to see it, then we're not able to believe it. But the wind shows you that you can believe in things that you cannot see. And that there are proofs for power that is unseen. That proof is the wind. Look at how powerful the wind is. Look at how much, you know, as I was driving, where was it that I was driving to? Yes, I was driving to Windsor. Driving from Mississauga to Windsor, and you see these huge wind turbines. And to know that the wind is able to produce so much power, power to light up houses, power to power up cities. And it's invisible power. If you think that the wind has power, how much more power does the Holy Spirit have? And the same way the wind, although you can't see it, the wind has the ability to move people. It's the same way that the spirit has the ability to move people. And when the Bible says, so is everyone who is born of the spirit, 
What it's saying is you don't see necessarily what is pushing them, but you see that they are being pushed. Have mercy. You can feel the Holy Spirit pushing you to get up, to keep trying. You can feel the Holy Spirit pushing you not to give up. You can feel the Holy Spirit pushing you to forgive. You can feel the Holy Spirit pushing you to have compassion on the homeless, on the poor, on the sick, and on the brokenhearted. You can feel the Holy Spirit constantly pushing you to pray for people. The Holy Spirit is a force, is like a force that pushes. Now, the, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that the Holy Spirit is not a person. He does not have consciousness because the Holy Spirit is a person, does have consciousness. When I say a person, I don't mean that he is a human being. Holy Spirit is a part of the Godhead, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Right, Even Jesus in the Great Commission, when he says how we're supposed to baptize individuals, we baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, right? And so um, I'm not one of those people who will say that the Holy Spirit is just a force. No. But the Holy Spirit has power. And oftentimes acts like a force. The Holy Spirit gives us power to go and to do. The Holy Spirit gives us power to move. The Holy Spirit doesn't give us the power just to sit and not do anything. This is very important. Because a lot of us, you know, we in the church, and those of you who are Adventists will know about this. But in the church, we often talk about the latter rain and how we need a, a revival and a, and a renewal of the spirit. And we do. The issue is that people who often are asking for that are not prepared to go and to do anything with the Holy Spirit or for the Holy Spirit. Right? The Holy Spirit equips you for work and pushes you to do the work. The Holy Spirit is not there just to, you know, just so that you could microwave your food without putting it in the microwave, right? You could just do random miracles. The Holy Spirit is there to help you to do to um to fulfill God's mission. And it's not until you're ready to fulfill God's mission that you'll receive the Spirit. And remember, this is being uh, spoken about in context with baptism. One of the aspects of baptism that we haven't covered yet is the readiness to go. You see, when you are baptized, you're born again as a child of God, Right? You're born to the Spirit. And now it's not just about you living in the house. It's about you becoming a fisher of men and learning to bring more people to become children of God as well. 
This is the mission of every Christian. And this is equally the mission of every Christian, of every born-again Christian. There will be a fire and a desire to see people in the kingdom. Now, many of us don't even know what the kingdom is. And so, um, you know, when we say we want to see people in the kingdom, if you don't know what it is and you don't know what it is that you're talking about or where it is that you're actually saying that you want to see them, right? When Jesus says the kingdom of God is near you, even in your midst, we understand that the kingdom of God is being in the presence of Jesus. That's the reason why the new earth will become the new heaven because Jesus will be with us there. And we should want people to have Jesus in their heart and in their life. That is communicating the kingdom. We following. It's not communicating works, but it's, you see, because works, works are saying that in order for Jesus to come into your heart, that you have to do something to prove yourself to him or to make yourself uh, worthy of him. Whereas um, faith is saying that you accept Jesus into your heart. You believe Jesus into your heart. You believe what Jesus has done for you. And then when you accept him into your heart, if you're baptized, not just by water, but by the spirit, then now you allow the Holy Spirit to push you and to lead you on where you will go and what you will do. Let's think about it. After Jesus was baptized, what happened? The Bible says that the Holy Spirit descended from heaven and alighted upon him like a dove. And that the father was heard speaking from heaven saying, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And the Holy Spirit immediately brought him into the wilderness to be tempted by the enemy. Immediately the Holy Spirit started Jesus's mission. Immediately. This is what the Holy Spirit does. The Holy Spirit compels us to move. As a matter of fact, when we read in Acts chapter 1, Jesus has a message to the disciples who are now the apostles. After Jesus is uh, crucified and resurrected, they move from being disciples to being apostles. And... They have this great commission, right? Remember, uh, before Jesus went into heaven, he said, Go ye therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the very end of the age, right? That was a great commission. That was the mission for them to go to all the world and to communicate the gospel, right? Um, but when Jesus is speaking to the disciples who have now become the apostles, 
after he resurrects, if we read in the book of Acts, we'll see that Jesus uh, spends 40 days with the apostles before returning to glory. And he tells them, though, that before they go, that they need to wait for the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit will give them power to go and to do the things that God is calling them to do. Right? The Holy Spirit will give them the power to actually do the job. And, you know, as, as churches, we... We do ourselves a great disservice when we don't ask for the pushing and the power of the Holy Spirit to be behind our projects. As a matter of fact, we shouldn't ask the Spirit to be behind our projects. We should ask the Spirit to push us in the direction of God's projects. Right? So the Bible says the wind blows where it wishes and you hear the sound of it, but cannot tell where it comes from and where it goes. Right. Now, we have to be very careful with this part. Cannot tell where it comes from and where it goes. Because many people will use um, will use this portion of the verse to justify making unwise decisions right all of a sudden you get a feeling to just get up and to move to arkansas and so you get up and you move and you say it's the holy spirit just having a feeling doesn't mean that that feeling was the holy spirit who pushed you to do it and one of the biggest things that people will say and will blame god for and i am just as guilty as everybody else when it comes to this is they'll say, um, you know, that God is the one who, who told me to be with this individual. You have to be very careful. You have to be very careful. Having a strong feeling does not mean that that's a feeling from the Holy Spirit. That can be a desire of your own heart that is so strong that you wish it was coming from the Holy Spirit. <laughs> But we don't want to justify unwise decisions by um, saying that it's God who asks us to do it. And one of the rules that we can use, especially in terms of uh, people who um, are, you know, try to use this this idea of uh, where it comes from, you know, you cannot tell where it comes from and you cannot tell where it goes, etc. And they they try to use this idea for their relationship in terms of finding a partner and whatnot. One thing that I realized with Adam and Eve is that Eve was there, Eve was given to Adam as a helpmate to help him fulfill the mission that God had given him to help him fulfill the mission that God has given him. So the way that God has already pushed him to go, God provided him a helpmate, a helper to help him to fulfill the mission in the direction that he was already pushed to go. We're following. This means that one clear indication that somebody 
is not who God chose for you is when that individual is not going to help you to fulfill the mission that God has ordained for you. Now, those of you who are already married, don't go quoting this as a reason to split up, right? Once you're married, you're married. We make it work, figure it out as as, as best as we can with the power and, and the grace of God, right? But especially for our young people who are still figuring things out, um, please make sure that um, you know, you're not getting with somebody who is going to frustrate your Christianity, who's going to frustrate your ability to serve God, who's going to frustrate your ability to walk with God, who is going to frustrate the ability of the Holy Spirit to push you in the direction that God is choosing for you. You want to be with somebody who's going to help you to fulfill the mission, not hinder you in fulfilling the mission. And if it's somebody who is sent from God, um, I don't believe that he'll send you someone that's going to be a hindrance to you fulfilling the mission. And that's my personal belief. And take it what it's uh, take it for what it's worth. But it says you cannot tell where it comes from and where it goes. When the Holy Spirit is speaking to you, you have to be able to discern his voice. And this is this is uh this can be tough. This can be tough because you know obviously the for those of us who are really genuine, who are really wanting to follow God. The question is always, well, is this what God is asking me to do? Or is this just, you know, an idea or a thought that came into my own mind? And, um, you know, it, it requires you to know him. It requires you to know him. And there's no, there's no other way around it. And the only way to know somebody is to spend time with somebody. Right. Let's think about it. If, you know, in a in a group full of people, if people started calling your, your voice and, and you're blindfolded and random people started calling your voice, it's calling your voice, calling your name. Sorry. Random people start calling your name one at a time. Right. And you're listening to these random people call your name. And then all of a sudden you hear your mom. You know, you'll recognize your mom's voice. And the reason why is because you spent so much time with your mom. You've spoken to your mom so much that you know what her voice sounds like, right? This is the reason why Jesus says, my sheep hear my voice and they do not answer to the voice of a stranger. Uh, the sheep, when they're following the shepherd, they know the shepherd's voice because of the time that they've spent with the shepherd. And it's important to know the shepherd's voice during peaceful times because you don't want to be confused about what voice is his, especially when the times are no longer peaceful, right? You want, especially when you're in danger, you need to be able to discern his voice. You need to. But... There's only one way for that to happen. And as we said, that is spending time with God. So what does that look like? 
Do you have time scheduled out in your day to pray? Do you have time actually scheduled out in your routine to pray and to read your Bible and to meditate? You know, I would encourage you, everyone, to make at least one time, at the very least, at the very least, we should all have a time of the day dedicated to prayer and Bible study. Every single one of us, at the very least, should have at least one time. And this, again, is so that you can get to know God, so that you can recognize his voice, so that when the Holy Spirit is pushing you, when the Holy Spirit is speaking to you, you'll know this is the Holy Spirit and this isn't just you who has some idea that popped up into your mind. Are we following? Knowing the difference is important, but it can only come through prayer and Bible study and spending time just you and God to the point that you've started to recognize when he is speaking as opposed to when it's just you speaking. We're following? So at the very minimum, I would say to have a one time period during the day that you devote to prayer and Bible study. And if you really, really, really want to um, get closer to God and you want a surefire way, I would say to schedule three times of the day for prayer, Bible study, and meditation. Now, each of the three times doesn't have to involve Bible study. You can have, you know, one of the times or two of the times be focused mostly on prayer and meditation. But <clears throat> if you look at the example of Daniel, Daniel had three times per day that he would pray and everyone knew what times of the day um, those were because it was a part of his routine. And I can tell you during the times of my life where I've had, I've had uh, three time periods of the day to, to have Bible study, and um in prayer and devotion i can tell you like it's a completely different it's just so different it's so different like on fire is not even the word it's crazy like you literally can feel yourself filled up filled up so if you can do that I'd encourage you to do that, even if it's just for 30 minutes, you know, three times in the day. I'm telling you, it will make a huge difference. That being said, we've reached the end of our time for today. And um, we all have a challenge to put God into our routine so that we can get to know him. This is a very practical piece of advice, and this piece of advice can change your life. So I look forward to hearing your testimonies about it, to reading your emails to me about it, and to seeing the way that God brings you through. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for another day that we were able to spend in your word and 
reading it and contemplating it. And Lord, we've spoken about an interesting topic about having time that's devoted to spending just with you. And Lord, um, we know that it's so important for us to have time to spend with you. Sometimes, Lord, I feel like, um, you know, in working for you, even ministers can forget to work with you more than just for you. And we can do a lot of things for you. But if we don't have time to pray ourselves, set aside from Bible studies to prepare for others, but just time to spend with you, Lord, then we won't be able to hear your voice and we won't be able to feel the pushing of the Holy Spirit. So help us, Lord, each of us to devote time in our routine, in our schedule, purely to you. And Lord, I look forward to hearing about the drastic and the radical change that your children will experience as a result of it. Lord, we thank you because you're an awesome God, because you give us so much guidance along this way. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you, everyone. Thank you so much for coming. God willing, I'll see you soon. Take care.